0: Joining us from before the fight, it's uh, Rob, a boxing expert out of Australia. G'day, mate. How are you? Mate, very well. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Good. Uh, uh, As somebody, Rob, who loves their fight sport, um, how do you feel about Jake Paul and uh, Tommy Fury this weekend? Sorry, who? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, was that joke, Paul? (laughs)
1: that was indeed it was indeed look it's great for the sport they do put eyeballs on the sport uh, and and what it does do is it paves the way for a lot of the real fighters that are out there Uh, so there are a lot of positives to take away from it Uh, they do come out as the main event Uh, Barry Hall said it Uh, very well the former AFL player here in Australia he said that he he loves being part of these events but he'd prefer it if the real fighters were the main event
0: yeah well that's the thing I mean I, I don't mind you know sort of fight for life uh you know those kind of events where you know guys who aren't fighters fight for charity and and have a crack that's one thing but Jake Paul seems to make out that he is a fighter of some repute um But everything I've seen, uh, you know, he basically just fights, you know, the guys that he has fought are either uh, grapplers who have never been strikers out of MMA or they're old. Um, And he reckons that fighting Tommy Fury is going to change that because it's an actual boxer. So I had a look at Tommy Fury's background. He's had eight fights for eight wins. His pro debut, his opponent's record was 10 wins, 102 losses. Uh, the next this is
1: o- absolutely correct, yeah. <laughs> the next opponent correct,
0: yeah. was no wins, 26 losses, and then two wins, 26, none and 11, and none in nine. So, I mean, we say Jake Paul's fought nobody. Tommy Fury's fought less than nobody. Uh, yeah, by that count, 200 times less than nobody. But, look,
1: um, to say he's got a padded record would be an understatement, but this is apparently the first... The, the first Professional boxer that Jake Paul uh, will be facing—you've nailed it right on the head. Um, everybody he's fought is a retired uh, smaller MMA fighter, and no one he's fought has any, ever been his size. He always he always has them smaller trying to come up in weight to him. Uh, they're short camps with uh, big media responsibilities, so it's it's a tailored package towards uh, the A side. Absolutely,
0: yeah. Now. Um... I don't know what this does for you know the TikTok generation, mate. They're the they're the next generation coming through. How much of those hype is being believed? Do you think, and how damaging could it be for the sport? Uh,
1: damaging wise for the sport, it it can't. It look it. If we saw it on a grand scale right across the board, wholly and solely, and it got out of control, maybe that would uh, water down a little bit of the hard work that the real fighters are doing. But at the moment, I think it is bringing eyeballs to the sport. A lot of people are seeing it for what it is. There's plenty of commentary out there outlining exactly the levels of skill that are being portrayed uh, on the screen in front of us. But as for the younger TikTok generation... Uh, they are hook, line and sinker and he is their god and we can say nothing bad
0: about him. That's a worry, isn't it? That is a worry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about some proper fighters that deserve some attention then, mate. Um, now, mm. at, at before the fight, you focused mainly on Australian fighters and, and fighters coming out of Australia and New Zealand uh, in the last few years have really uh, started to make waves. So uh, from a New Zealand point of view, who should we be getting excited about watching coming out of your side of the ditch?
1: Well, Andre Mikhailovich, Jerome Pampelone. Out of Peach Boxing, both of those guys are doing amazing work. David Light is about to fight Lawrence Coley uh, for a cruiserweight world title. That's only a few weeks away. I think five weeks away. That's an amazing fight, David Light. David Light uh, having an absolute resurgence at the moment with Isaac Peach. And now that he's signed to No Limit as well. So Miyamoto's got a fight coming up soon. Uh, she always makes big waves over there in New Zealand boxing. Um, so she's doing great stuff as well. Uh, but, yeah, Joe Parker's got uh, another fight coming up soon too. And there's a lot of eyeballs on that because there could be a potential trans-Tasman challenge out of this uh, between a, an Australian opponent, whether it be uh, Dempsey McKean or possibly even Justice Hooney, now that he's signed with Matchroom. So, a lot of exciting stuff happening over in New Zealand at the moment.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, the the fact that uh, Justice Hooney might go up against Parker is interesting. It feels like it might be a, maybe a little early for Hooney. I mean, I know Dean Lonigan is, is looking after him, and Dino's a smart man. He used to work with Joseph Parker. Uh, what do you think the chances of that are happening. And and what about Lucas Brown? Where's he gone?
1: Lucas Brown's got a big fight against Jay Miller coming up over in Dubai. Lucas has only had the three losses at the moment, so still commands a fair bit of respect. Has gloves, is willing to travel, and being that it's heavyweight boxing, the purse is accommodating. So it seems to work out quite well for Lucas. He also uh, markets his own fights quite well. Uh, Dean doesn't actually look after Justice Hooney anymore. Justice is now signed with mega promoter Eddie Hearn from Matchroom, and Eddie did say that he was going to take it a little bit slow with... um, um, with Justice and that he might pull him back a little bit and develop him a little bit more. Like you said, the Parker fight a little bit too early, whereas the Dempsey-McKean uh, fight, Dempsey's had uh, 18 uh, wins and he's also signed to Matchroom, so they, we know that the Dempsey-McCain Joe Parker fight's been one that has been touted for quite a while. Uh, also, Anthony Joshua's there with Matchroom. So, what happens for Parker after this one is we're not sure. I think he's got plenty of fighting years left in him. I love Joe. I've interviewed him many times. He's very fast. He's flashy. He's done great work over this side of the world, and the Kerry Russell TV stuff is absolute gold.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is indeed. It is indeed. Yeah, well, I mean, tell you the other fight that I'd love to see. Joe Get and I don't know if it's something that's on the cards or maybe it's uh, you know, a yet another fight away, but I'd love to see a match uh, rematch with Dillian White because I felt like he was probably a little bit hard done to. I mean, I think you can if you look at the cards uh for that fight, uh how much of it came down to what was a head clash or a head butt if you like there was there was marked as a knockdown.
1: We'd love to see that rematch. Everybody on this side of the world would love to see that rematch. The fight was amazing. And they do message each other back and forth, we've seen on social media. Now, all of a sudden, it was touted it was going to happen. Then the Derek Chisora fight happened for Parker, uh, which he got through. After the Chisora fight, he had the, the Joe Joyce fight. Unfortunately, he came undone there. So it's always kind of happened, But then other fights have come up because Joe likes to stay active, and as well he should. And now you know we we've got um, that we've basically got another two fights sort of on the on the mark there on the uh, horizon for Joe Parker, but whether he gets that. Gillian White rematch, I'm not sure, but we'd all love to see it.
0: Yeah, we would. Uh, now, you mentioned Peach Boxing. Of course, they are doing really, really good things at the moment. And, and Mia Motu, uh, known over here as the Nightmare, um, she has a world title fight coming up, the IBO uh, Super Bantamweight world title fight that's going to be actually held in Auckland. Uh, she's beaten everybody here. She, uh, I think she's got belts in four different weight divisions in New Zealand. Just how good do you think she is? She is good. She is great. And the other good thing
1: about it is at Bantamweight here in Australia, we have Shanika Johnson, who has the IBF title. Now, she's just recently signed to top rank. So you could see, if if the performance is great enough, you could see a Trans-Tasman Challenge for the two belts, the IBO and the IBF. That could be something that's on the cards. There's been no indications of that, but it would make a lot of sense. Uh, for Bob Arum to make that fight happen. It'd get a lot of attention over here. And if you're trying to... Because Shanika obviously doesn't have the big calling over in America, and neither does Miyamoto, but the, the pay-per-view uh, sales would definitely you know, translate a lot better if they had that kind of opponent. Whether that happens or not, we're not sure. Ebony Bridges is that, ban, uh, is that uh, super bantamweight. And... Um, Sorry, she's at Bantamweight and Shanika's at Super Bantamweight. So there's two Aussie girls in and around those weights. Miyamoto can make either one of those weights easily enough. So she is good, uh, and she's got a great coach in Isaac Peach who's doing amazing work with his fighters. Yeah.
0: Uh, if she wins that title, uh, what do you expect? I mean, is that? I know you've just talked about a couple of Australian options, but do you think that will mean then uh, it opens the market up for her maybe to go to the U.S.?
1: Absolutely does. It takes a ranking right up there. The IBO, is a four-belt sanction, uh, four sanctioning body at the moment with the WBC, WBO, WBA and the IBF. But the IBO is always the fifth one everyone talks about. So it's getting a lot more cloud at the moment. There are a lot of great champions that have it. It boosts her ranking. Uh, it ups her profile. It's nothing but a positive.
0: Now, I've talked to David Light a few times. I trained with uh, uh, his, his flatmate. Uh, would you believe, uh, a bit. And uh, we know so know David reasonably well, mate. He has uh, gone from strength to strength, uh, and he's had some good fights under some difficult circumstances. He's gone to Florida a couple of times and fought fighters in their own backyard uh, and taken them out. He, he, uh, he knocked out one guy uh, probably six months, seven months ago um, over there in the first round who was very highly rated a Cuban-American boxer. Uh, now he's got this... Uh, title fight coming up, which is going to be in Manchester. His record at the moment is 20-0. and 0. Uh, He's a bit unassuming, isn't he, David Light? I think, I think people uh, underestimate him a bit.
1: He flies under the radar. He doesn't have that kind of out there um, persona. And Isaac does all the talking for him, which is great, uh, because Isaac can talk. And um, look, yeah, he, this is a great fight against Lawrence Ciccoli. Anything could happen here. He's, he's in with a red-hot chance. It's a strong division, and the Australians and the Kiwis are, are, are right up there. Jai Pataya being the king of the division uh, with the IBF title, beating Maris Bratis. Maris Bratis, who no one wanted to fight, mind you. So um, jai would have to be the, still the top dog there, the Australian. But look, after that, Lawrence Cole, Makabu, David Light... Uh, all these guys are in and around there and he's in with a red-hot chance against Acoli.
0: Yeah, looking forward to that fight in a few weeks' time in Manchester. Uh, what about your side of the ditch, mate? I know Liam Wilson's been making all sorts of headlines. Uh, uh, where Where is Australia at on, on, on this and his claim that uh, the referee's done him out of a world title?
1: Look, uh, there has been uh, a dispute put in about the uh, the, the, the lengthy time on the knockdown and the mouth guard. It's not going to be a successful um, dispute. So, unfortunately, but it, it's it's one that they should have put their hand up. What happened with the scales uh, the day before at the weigh-in, that's another one that, you know, uh, leaves a little bit to be, um, you know, leaves a little bit to the imagination. It really does, because mm. we're not sure what happened there. We know that Liam Wilson can't make 126. If you've ever been to a Liam Wilson weigh-in, and I've been to many, in the last three and a half years, I've only think I think I've only missed the one. He works very hard to make the weight cut at 129. For him to get to 126, it's it's just something his body physically can't do. Now the camp was amazing over there in America. He did level up, but he came undone in his 12th fight against. Uh, Emmanuel Neverete, who's had upwards of 30 fights and is an absolute tactician and very, very experienced. The country is very, very much behind Liam Wilson. He was well-received when he came back. I have spoken with him and his family at length and his coach since they've come back to Australia. And, look, um, he was back at training Monday. So keen to get back into it, keen to keep going. His stocks have only ever gone up. And, look, great learning experience, and he held his own over there.
0: Which is what you want to see. Um, in terms of what else we should be looking at from an Australian point of view, who else is exciting you at the moment and who uh, do we get to see fight next?
1: Tim Zhu, March 12th, the WBO interim world title fight against uh, Tony Harrison, who has beaten Jamel Charlo, fought him twice, one loss, one win against him, but the only man that has beaten him and, and beat him you know, quite convincingly. Now, it wasn't a dominant performance, but it was a smart boxing performance. Tony Harrison stayed on the jab. Now, Tim Zhu was um, scheduled to fight. Uh, Jamel Charlo for the undisputed super welterweight title. That's all the belts. WBA, WBC, IBF and WBO and the Ring Title Magazine as well. But uh, Jamel Charlo had to pull out with a broken hand so they went for the next best thing. The guy that actually has beaten Jamel Charlo in Tony Harrison. They didn't have to take this fight. They could have taken a lot more uh, yeah, A much more comfortable fight. But Tim and his management sat down. They said, you know what? You get one shot at Destiny and we're going for it. So credit to the boys for really taking it on. If you listen to uh, Tony Harrison's recent... Um Podcast with Ben Damon on main event when Ben Damon was with him in in New York. Even Tony Harrison's very surprised by this after being trained by Emmanuel Stewart and himself being the trainer of uh, an undisputed fighter and Alicia Baumgardner. But Tony Harrison's willing to come to Australia, and this fight is enormous. The card underneath it is. Back. Rowan Murdoch versus Isaac Hardman, Colin Mazudia versus Ben Marnie in the super welterweight division it is a great card. And just before that, Brock Jarvis is back. Jeff Fennick's protege, he's uh, headlining a Fox show on the 9th of March where he bounces back. But yeah, some great stuff happening on our side of the ditch as well. Jai Appetite is back in training for his IBF Cruiserweight world title. That'll be coming up soon. And like we said, Justice Hooney is signed now with Matchroom. So big things happening over here. No Limit really, really leading the way over here in Australia at the moment. Uh, but, yeah, absolutely, when it comes to the Kiwi fighters, keep an eye out for Andre Mikhailovich, Jerome Pampalone, uh, even Toa Latelli. very, very exciting uh, heavyweight is Toa Latelli Miyamoto and David Light. So some great stuff coming out of New Zealand.
0: Uh, good stuff, Rob. Thanks very much for your time, mate. I really appreciate your chat on a Sunday afternoon and keep up uh, the good work at Before the Fighter. Mate, thank you
1: very much, and shout-out to all our Kiwi brothers.
0: Yeah, good stuff. Uh, Rob Scheif there from before the fight.